You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Right, ambition. This is what I'm talking about this morning. Week two, God at work. Last week, in case you weren't there, I should summarize it very quickly. I talked about the fact that our God is a creator God. He created the world. The Bible would definitely make out in, in Genesis that God worked. God worked. We are made in his image, and therefore we are designed to work too. In fact, I pointed out last week that the Hebrew word for work and worship is the same. And so it's not that we've got to separate this and think, oh, well, this is church and whatever we've done for an hour or two here, that's God. And then when I go Monday, I was going to say nine to five, but for some of you, it's eight till six or seven till seven or however many hours it is, whether it be in paid employment or whether it be a full time parent or whether actually you're unemployed and looking for work or whether you're in education. We have so many hours. How do we use this for God? And the final thing that we'd said last week was that our security comes from who we are, not what we do. And that can be a big challenge, because if we're really honest, and I want to get to know some of you that I don't know, I might say, oh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, what do you do for a job? And suddenly we can almost feel defined by the way that we work. But actually, as we've been singing about this morning, we're defined by the fact we have a Father in heaven who loves us, forgives us, and accepts us. That is all the background then. This week, which probably seems a funny word on the, on the back of that, I want to preach about ambition. Ambition. I admitted last week that 50% of Christians said they'd never heard a sermon on work. I've never preached one on work before this series, so I'm looking forward to this series of six. Not that I'm preaching them all. Nikki will be up in two weeks' time. It's going to be good. You won't want to miss that one. But I do want even today to think, oh, what, what about ambition? Ambition is a strong desire for success. Now, I want to ask you, if I say that word, how do you react to it? How do you think about that? Even in church, ambition? Is that something that we do? What do people in society even think about that? Radioheads. I don't know how many of you are into them. They're a British rock band in the 80s. They said ambition makes you look pretty ugly. Johnny Depp. Some of you, I'm sure, would have heard of him, the actor. He said, for me, ambition has become a dirty word. I prefer hunger. To hunger, great. To have hope, dreams, great. Do you think ambition is a good thing? I know that there's not a current series going on, but I guess some of the most ambitious people I've ever seen would be on The Apprentice. You know, with Lord Sugar, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you've got this, this whole group of people that actually, what they really want to do is they want to be the top. And they come on, and they, you know, I'm sure it's a little bit of TV, but, you know, they're, they're saying things like, oh, I don't worry about friends. I spit friends out for breakfast. I'm going to make a company successful. You know, this is like ambition, isn't it? If you're not ambitious, you're out. It, it, does that describe you? Or are you a bit more like Homer Simpson? You know what I'm saying? A beer on the sofa watching the telly, that's a hard afternoon's work, you know. And there's two extremes, I guess, of ambition. Barack Obama, the president of the United States, says this. We need to steer clear of this poverty of ambition, where people want to drive fancy cars and wear nice clothes and live in nice apartments, but don't want to work hard to get these things. Everyone should try to realize their full potential. So on the one hand, you might think, oh, is ambition a good thing? How do we react to that? Barack Obama saying it is a good thing. 
come on, you should be ambitious. You should try your best. If you really want to succeed in life, work hard. Lionel Messi, the footballer for Barcelona, some of you will be into football, I'm sure. He said, I have many years to get better and better, and that has to be my ambition. The day you think there is no improvements to be made is a sad one for any player. Now, he was talking about that, about football, that's his job. Would you say that about your job? Oh, well, actually, I've many years to get better and better, and that's my ambition. The day you think there's no improvements to be made is a sad one. And I mean, you know, many would say this guy is just a magician when it comes to football. What about the Bible? Yes, I know, we're in church. What does the Bible say about this? Some of you may have read a book. There's a a book, I don't know, about five years ago, The Prayer of Jabez. This was a guy in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. I mean, imagine that for your start in life. What's your name? Jabez. Why are you called Jabez? My mother said I was a pain. I mean, you know, that's, that's the way you started life. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. I mean, that to me sounds an ambitious prayer, doesn't it? It's almost like, I don't know, if you read these lists in the Old Testament, let's be honest, sometimes we're reading the Bible and you come to them and you think, I'll skip that. Where's the rest of the story? But actually, God goes through this and and it's almost like he heard his prayer and he, he, he answered it. I think there's principles in the Old Testament where we are called to be ambitious. It says in Ecclesiastes, not totally sure who wrote Ecclesiastes, we think it might have been Solomon, whatever your hand finds you to do, do with it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Actually, it's, come on, let's really give yourself to this. Paul writes the same things to the church in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, this is in the New Testament, 10 verse 31. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. So it's almost Paul's trying to stir this up. Actually, are we to be those ambitious? He writes to the church in Colossians, Colossians 3 verse 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. So I guess Paul was writing to the church and saying, actually, whatever you do, yeah, Tesco's is not your boss. God is your boss. The National Health Service is not your boss. God is your boss. The BBC is not your boss. God is your boss. The bank is not your boss. God is your boss. It's almost like whatever you do, I want you to work hard, do your best, be ambitious. Ken Costa has written a book called God at Work. I mentioned that last week. He's a businessman and author. He says, more than ever, we need Christians with ambition in the workplace. So we've looked at ambition. What is Christian ambition? I would define Christian ambition as this, the passionate and contented pursuit of a challenging yet attainable God-given objective. There you go. The passionate and contented pursuit of a challenging yet attainable God-given objective. 
Jago Wynn, he's an author and a vicar, says too often when Christians think about work, we can talk very negatively and defensively. I want to encourage you, when you talk about work, do you think about it with passion? Do you just think, oh, work is something I do. I do it for these hours just because it, it pays the bills. Or do you think, actually, this is what I'm called to do. This is, this is part of, you know, I mean, this is ours. This is what we want you to go away and think, oh, it's not just, well, I, I turn up on Sunday and I do this. No, actually, I'm called by God 24-7. You know, whether you're working in the financial industry, whether you're a mum at home, this is the call of God upon your life. Christian ambition is to be passionate. Jean-Pierre Garnier, he was the head of GlaxoSmithKline. Obviously, we're aware they've got a very big office down in Brentford. I don't know anyone who is passionate and unsuccessful. I found that really interesting. Oh, come on, are we going to be those that are passionate? If we are passionate, will that not flow in to what you do? So if I ask you the question, what excites you? What's get you smoking? What's inside of you that just think, ah, this is what I love? How do we be those with Christian passion and ambition? Tim Keller, the pastor and author, says, one of the words we read about and hear often today is passion. Passion leads you to excel in whatever you do. I'd love us to feel that, you know, it's almost like, I'd, almost in the Holy Spirit, I'd love to go around today lighting a match and setting everyone's feet on fire and almost feel like these like explosions because there's passion going on. Uh, unfortunately, there's things I did in the past I'm not particularly proud of. I, I'm a, a country bumpkin from Sussex, and one of the things we used to do was fun was we used to get bangers from France. And there was these little sort of things like this, and they were quite explosive, you know, I'm sure you weren't supposed to do it. You go on a school day trip and come back with a few in your pocket or something, and you would light them, and you just never knew. They'd suddenly go bang, you know. And I mean, you'd put them in somebody's car, exhaust or something like that, and then just walk down the street, bang, you know. For a kid, it was a lot of fun. I can see most of you aren't inspired by my story. (laughs) But I sometimes think, how do I get that passion going in us for what we're called to do? There's almost just a lighting of the fuse. Bang! That kind of excitement and passion for what you do. We're to be calculated. What kind of person are you? How do you know if your ambition works where you are? How do you stop and reflect and really understand yourself? I admitted last week that that one job that I really wanted to do was be a professional footballer. And grow a perm like Kevin Keegan. Well, that was never going to happen. So I then had another dream. And I guess my dream was this, that I would be a drummer. <laughs> yeah, my wife's laughing. That just says everything about my musical ability, doesn't it? I, I don't know. I just had this thing. that this, To me, there's something just, you know, I mean, these guys, they serve us so well, don't they? I mean, it's great. But I mean, the drums, you know what I'm saying? I, maybe I watched the Muppets as a kid, you know, suddenly animal goes like this on the drummer. And I just thought. Phil Collins, he used to be able to drum and sing. Saw him in concert, just phenomenal, you know what I'm saying? I thought I'd love to be a drummer. But actually, you know, I'm not very good at keeping time. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I turned around, as Richard told us to, and, and said to the people behind me, you know, I'm gifted in worship. And they said, you don't sound very sure. <laughs> and I think, well, that is probably true. As much as I would love to lead worship, the day you see me stand here leading worship, please find another church. <laughs> you know, I'm not kidding. I think that's not what I'm called to do. 
I know that. I think sometimes, to be honest, in your 40s, it's easier to know what you're not called to do than in your 20s. I sometimes think the challenge is in our 20s, we think we're going to do everything. I think, what is it that you are called to do? How do you have this drive? Is it something you think, oh, this is it, I'm definitely going to do it? Somebody else might be able to say, look, that's really not you. I would love your ambition to be for something that challenges you, something that fires you up, that gets you going. I, I, I realize now that this week has probably undermined this quote. This was the guy, Sir Terry Lee, who was the, um, the chief of Tesco's. Now, he's no longer the chief of Tesco, so you know, he's worth listening to still. This is the guy who built it up big. The essence of leadership is painting a vision that others will follow. Find out the truth of the situation. Paint a picture where you want to get to. Make a plan and go and do it. It applies to business and cities, but it applies to your own personal situation. Always believe there is a better place and then persuade people to get there with you. Don't you sort of get this sort of sense of, actually, how do we get this challenge for something that we could dream for, that we could go for? Attainable was another word I said about Christian ambition. It's difficult because sometimes I think I just want to dream and I want to dream the impossible. I'd love, to, I'd love to believe that I would be a billionaire and that I could give away millions of pounds and, and solve world poverty. I'm not sure that's attainable, you know what I'm saying? I, ch- I chat to my son about cars. He loves cars, you know what I'm saying? DB9 would be great, wouldn't it? And Audi R8 would be fantastic. And then I realize I work for the church. I'm never likely to have one of those. That's fine. I'm happy to give up on that. Are my ambitions are things that are attainable? What is it you think you could genuinely do with your life? I don't know if this is still the case, but I read a story this week that Hertz were considered the number one car hire company in the world. And so Avis said, actually, we're going to set ourselves the challenge. We will make it to number two. They didn't think, oh, actually, we're just going to set this big dream. But actually, they just thought we could do it. We could do it step by step. I think our ambitions must be God-given. I don't know if you've seen the film Chariots of Fire. This is about a guy called Eric Little. He was a runner and a missionary. But he said this, God made me for a purpose. He made me for China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. You know, it's almost like, oh, I know this is what God's called me to do. They often used to laugh at him because he was running around the track. And apparently when he really got going, his head went back like this. And everyone thought, you know, and it, it was almost like physically he was looking up at God and just sort of running. People think, what a funny style. But actually, there's something about God that captivated him. What's what's the ambition God's put in your heart? I feel so privileged to be leading a local church. I absolutely love it. I remember, I don't know, three, four years old, I used to go to a Baptist church in a little town called Uckfield in Sussex. And in those days, um, I guess it was Baptist background, we, we used to have a pulpit. And so you'd go up all these steps and you'd be so high up and, and you'd have a pulpit and you'd preach. And my granddad used to preach. And I used to look up there and I thought, oh, God, I'd love to serve you like that. And, you know, I then went to university. I trained to become a teacher, to be honest. But inside me, I always thought, oh, God, I feel such a passion for your church. This is your bride. That's how the Bible describes it. You know, and then when the church said to me, would you give up teaching? 
and, and come and work for us. I was asked on, I think it was um, Wednesday. No, it was Tuesday night. They came around to see me from the church. They said, would you, would you possibly give up our teaching and come and work for us? We'd like you to let me know on Friday morning. This was Tuesday night. Wednesday night, I had parents' evening. I was a primary school teacher. Thursday night, I had parents' evening. Friday night, I was due to see the leader of the church. I thought, I don't need to wait till Friday. I'll come now. He said, don't you think you should talk to your wife? I thought, oh, yes, I must get better at that. <laughs> but I just thought, this is my passion. What's your passion? What's God put in you? What's that drive you've got? The writer to the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, these are not promises, these are principles on life. He said this, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. I'd love us to have this, this dream, this passion, this ambition that God has put inside of us. What is it for you? What is your God-given ambition? You might say, Look, I, I want to design the best app that there is. Great. I think I just love computers. I love kids and I love teaching. I love communicating. What is it God's put in your heart? I love justice. I would do whatever I can. I love the poor. I would do whatever I could to serve other people. What is it God's put inside of you? Now, I know that there will be challenges when we come to pursuing ambition. Some of these, if we're really honest, are ourselves. Will we persevere when it gets tough? Will we bounce back when it doesn't work? Do we have the self-control to push it through? Have we got the emotional capacity to carry it? Some of it, if we're honest, the challenges are the circumstances that we find ourselves in. I always get inspired by Daniel when I think about this. I don't know if you know, Daniel was a character in the Old Testament. Daniel was carried off into exile. I mean, the more you read it, and I mustn't get sidetracked, but, you know, the, 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 the land was the promise of God. It's almost like the, the place of God was Eden. That got spoiled. They got kicked out of that. They were going to get good in this land. It was almost like God's presence. It didn't quite fulfill. But Daniel was taken away from that into exile. I was thinking about this. He was living in a place he didn't want to live. He was working for a man he didn't want to serve. He was tackling a job he didn't want to do. But what Daniel realized is that Nebuchadnezzar may have been in office, but God was in charge. And so you might think, oh, Pete, I've got some ambitions, but my circumstances in life just mess you up. Then I want to encourage you, God is in charge. I mean, do you believe that? God is in charge of your life. You think, well, I'm applying for this other job. Great, God is in charge. Got it. It's worth banking that if you forget the rest, isn't it? I think another challenge is we think so instant. And how do we think longer term? One of our challenges to get an ambition is if we can't do it today, we, we don't want to keep going. Many of you know it's the London Marathon today. I was reading this morning about this guy. I can't remember his name. He's hopefully taking part in it. He has run 365 marathons since the last London Marathon. Yes, yeah, added up. That was last year. That means he's run one marathon a day, every day, for the whole year. His name is Tim, and he's just going off to finish his last one. That's, that's not quite true, but I just suddenly thought, wow, what a challenge. You know what I'm saying? Thinking long-term. 
Jim Collins, the business consultant and author from the state, says this, there is no shortcut to success. Overnight success takes 20 years. I love that. Overnight success. We often suddenly think, wow, that seems overnight success. They've probably been working on it for 20 years. We've got to be those that think a long term. I praise God for what's happened in two years since this church started. Who knows what it'd be like after 20 Hey, who's still going to be here after 20 years? I will still be here. You know what I'm saying? Say, God, what, what's, it, what's going to happen? Do you remember when we had to go up into the Nelson room because of the election? You know what I'm saying? And now we've brought the whole building. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who knows where it will go? Sometimes the challenges of this, we worry what other people will think. We think, oh, I'd like to be ambitious, but what's somebody going to think of me? I thought, you know, politics coming in. I thought I'd sling a quote in from Margaret Thatcher. Ooh, British Prime Minister. I'm not telling you which way to vote at all. Just go with whatever God tells you. She said this, if you set out to be liked, you'll be prepared to compromise on anything at any time. I thought they said, let's not get caught up in the opinions of others. If we're going to literally do something for God, we've almost got to think, I'm not going to worry about what other people might say. Mark Twain, he's often quoted, he was an American author and humorist in the 1800s, said, keep away from people who try to belittle your ambition. Small people always do that, but the really great make you feel that you too can become great. So the challenge is, do we listen too much to other people? Okay, then how do we go about achieving ambitions for God? Well, my first thing would be this, and it's come out so clearly, I feel like, oh, it seems obvious, Pete, but it, trust God. As I was thinking about this, this whole thing of Abraham came to me this week. Trust God. It says in Isaiah, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I tell you, if we're going to do great things, we've got to trust him. I sometimes think I'm not ambitious because I look at myself. I've got to look at him. I've got to trust him. As I said, how do we achieve ambitions? I do think we've got to think longer term. Stephen Covey, the educator, author, and businessman, says this, if the ladder is not leaning against the right wall, every step we take gets us up the wrong place faster. How do we think forward where we're going to go? I think we're going to be ambitious. We, we've got to have vision for five years, for ten years. What is your vision for what you're going to be doing as a job in the next five years? I mean, if we're honest, we, you know, I don't know about you. Sometimes I thought, just get me through to payday. You know, I'm thinking, man, think, if I think six months, I develop gills. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not keeping my head above water. I'm sinking. But actually, sometimes I think, actually, what could we believe God for? Who knows what God will, would say to you? Five years' time, would you have your own company? Would you be employing others? Would you have bases around the world? Who knows what God could get you to do? How do we achieve ambitions? I do believe that we work hard. Romans 12, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. I mean, I love this. I don't, I don't know about you. I think sometimes the danger is the church has be, become almost a little bit um, pastorly and female. I think actually if you read the New Testament, what it's really trying to say is, come on, it's aggressive and fighting. 
Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Actually, if we're going to be those that are going to see God where we work, sometimes we've got to think, how am I going to take this fight? If we're honest, have you been knocked down so many times that you stopped getting up? They always say the definition of a champion is one who gets up one more time than they've been knocked down. You know what I'm saying? We've got to be those that believe God for that. Who inspires me on all of this? It's got to be the life of Jesus, hasn't it? Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 34, My food is to do the will of whom, him who sent me and to finish his work. I think Jesus was ambitious. It's not often a word we sing about. I don't know if it doesn't rhyme with a lot of things. Maybe that's why it never made it into a Christmas carol. We talk about gentle Jesus, meek and mild. We don't talk about gentle Jesus fighting ambition. uh, Yeah, I'm not going to write a song. As you can tell, I'm not that way wired. But I think actually Jesus was really keen. This is what I'm called to do. This is my job. This is like the task the Father's given me. You know, it's almost what do you do? Well, I do whatever I see the Father telling me to do. I think he was ambitious in that way. I believe that when he was on the cross in John 19, he'd received the drink. Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I believe there was a picture of him actually saying, look, this is what the Father asked me to do. The Father asked me to pay the price for those that couldn't pay. The Father asked me to take the guilt of the world. The Father asked me to die in their place. The Father asked me that when they've lost hope, I can give them hope. When they've got no peace, I can give them peace. The Father asked me to do it. I've done it. It's almost like the ambition drove him. It's almost I can see him on the cross. It's finished. I don't think that was a weak thing. I was finished. I think there was a declaration of truth. I think that should challenge us. What is your Christian ambition? Will you keep going like Christ? I do believe in this whole thing. And how do we make sure that we keep Christian ambition the whole time, 24-7? Whether you're driving a van, whether you're a lollipop lady helping the kids across school, whether you're working at checkouts at Tesco's, how do we constantly do that? I think we've got to think, actually, God, what have you called me to do? What have you called me to do? I think for many of us, that would be to be successful where we are. Now, do you know what you're called to do? Mark Green He was an author. I told you I've been reading several books for this series. He said, successful sports team and successful businesses tend to have one thing in common. They know what they're there to do. Do you know what you're here to do? That would be my question. Do you know? What is it God's called you to do? Wash windows. Serve your boss. Do you know what it is that you're called to do? If you know... C.S. Lewis, he was a, a professor, Oxford, I believe, says you will never make a good impression on other people until you stop thinking about what sort of impression you're making. So my first thing is, do you know what you're called to do? The second thing is, don't get caught up in other people. Drive for what God's called you to do. Don't always be thinking, what's somebody else going to think? Oh, if I did that, would they think, actually, what God's called you to do, let's press ahead and do it. 
And I guess the third thing I'm trying to do by way of summary of this, how do we be ambitious? We've got to know what we're called to do. We've got to ignore other people. Is I think we've got to constantly speak up for God. Now, I know there could be a pressure not to do that, particularly if you saw what happened in the news this week of a lady that had offered a book to a colleague at work. And then there's this whole thing of how much did you talk about God at work? I think we're, we're Christians 24-7. Surely this is what we're called to do. John Piper says this, thinking our work will glorify God when people do not know we are Christians is like admiring an effective ad on TV that never mentions the product. People may be impressed, but they won't know what to buy. I think ultimately, if we're to be ambitious, we need to let people know who we are as Christians. Because actually, we want to be ambitious for God and his kingdom. John Piper is an author in the States. So I guess I want to say, yeah, actually, how do we go 24-7 for God? My wife often inspires me. I'm so proud of her. She works, some of you will know, she's a full-time teacher in a primary school, two primary schools in Hanwell, which is where we live. And on Tuesday, she goes into work and she invites five of her colleagues to come along to the Alpha. Just think, oh, who could I possibly? In fact, I think she'd only invited four, but she'd been praying for five. So as she's walking home, she notices a colleague in the car, manages to get them to lower their window and slips in an invite and says, I'd love you to come for curry. I think, wow, doesn't hold back at work. Goes to work at another school on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. She works in three schools, invites another three. I think, wow, I feel inspired by that because she's ambitious for God wherever she's going. And I think so easy, you might see her and think, oh, she's worshipping here, or, oh, it's pastor's wife. I mean, she's a full-time teacher. God has made her a great teacher. Both schools wanted to work there. I've told her she should work about it. I said, look, if they could open them weekends, I could have her out working seven days a week. <laughs> no, I'm not doing marriage. We won't go there. Come on, back to work, Pete, back to work. Are we going to be those? What are we like when we're at work? Which of these are you like? The hedgehog or the chameleon? I think too many of us at, at work, as Christians, we're like hedgehogs. We end up crawling in a ball, sticking our spikes out to other people, and it's almost like, no, I, I don't want to come for a drink after work. I don't really want to play sport with you. I don't really like socialising with you guys. I'm a Christian. I just hide here. And I think the, the exact opposite can be true. So we can be so camouflaged at work that nobody would know we're a Christian either. And actually, your language could be the same as somebody else, or you know, you're getting, having a few too many drinks, or you're putting other people down, or actually, your morals are exactly the same as somebody else. You think, well, I need to get the sale, so I won't quite tell them the truth. It's a two-story house. Yeah, I'll tell you the true story and the untrue story, but really, you know what I'm saying? It's not meant to be like that. I think we're meant to be radically different. I think we're meant to be ambitious for what God has called us to do, I think we're meant to be radically ambitious in how we present God at work. And so I say one of your ambitions is, yeah, great, be successful. But I say one of your ambitions is, wherever you are, you want to see the kingdom come. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly how to do all of that. I do know there's a pile of leaflets at the back, but I won't go down that road. But surely what we're trying to say is, actually, how could I really be ambitious for God 24-7? Let's pray.
Jesus, we want to thank you that you pursued what the Father called you to do. I think, oh, I am so grateful for that. I'm so grateful you didn't back out. I'm so grateful you, you saw it right through to the end. I'm so grateful you died in my place. I'm so grateful you rose again. I believe that, that the Father gives us godly ambition in whatever we're called to do. I believe that we are to be those that are passionate, full-on excited for him. I pray that you'd help us. Help any here that don't know what they're called to do. Maybe they're just starting out in work. Maybe they try to think it's not work. If that's you, I pray God gives you clear call. This is what I want you to do. I pray for any here that actually what you're like is you've listened too many to other people. You've listened even to parents, to peers, to work colleagues. Oh, you do this, you can't do that. I pray that you'll be able to put these voices behind you and you'll listen to the call of God. And I want to pray this morning for you if you struggle to let people know you're a Christian at work. And you just think, ah, I've never mentioned it. It gets more and more awkward. I, I never mentioned it the first weekend, uh, what have you done, and I've never mentioned it since. I think people will be shocked, surprised. I pray God gives you the strength that you live for him 24-7. Yes. I know that uh, the band are just about to leave us. What I would love you to do, if you're a visitor here, please don't feel embarrassed by this. I'd just like you to put a hand on the person next to you and bless them at whatever their work is. Don't even ask about it. Just put your hand on them and say, I bless you at work this week, whether it's one of those three things. Bless them as they go for God 24-7. Bless them in whatever God has called them to do. And then I'm sure these guys can take some.